podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Hello, listeners. Forget team of the season for a second because we've got a big talking point outside of that. It's the new pitch note, which is talking about gameplay in FIFA beyond FIFA 19. So we've delayed the podcast, released it later in the week so we could respond to that. But don't worry, though, there's still plenty of team of the season action in the second half. I'm your host, Ben, and this is the Foot Weekly podcast brought to you by Foothead and our patrons. And uh, I was expecting to have Steve, and you will have Steve in the second half. He couldn't join us for this part because, well, I texted him. What he said to me was, I'm in a pub on the outskirts of Grimsby enjoying, in quotation marks, a tribute act called Breadloaf. But he sends his uh, best wishes to all listeners and uh, he'll be back very soon. And you will hear him in the second half, as I'll explain. But we do have Luke Zimmerman of Foothead. You'll have probably heard him before, but if you haven't, he's a, a wise master of all things foot, as it is his job, literally, to monitor foot. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure to, to join you and Steve. Steve is leading the spiritual efforts, I guess, from afar, but I'll try to channel his foot and football-like acumen uh, and, and hopefully represent him in the podcast <laughs> well. Things worked out quite well this week because uh, we had Aaron West, and you'll hear from him later, talking about some players he's been trying out. I think he's a, a friend of yours and our own acquaintance, Luke, right? Yeah, we kind of know each other. Uh, I've never actually met Aaron in person, but we know a lot of the same people. I worked in American traditional sports media, and so did Aaron. Aaron worked covering football. I covered American football, but obviously before I was hired by Foothead, I was a huge football proper fan and so we kind of we know the same people and have been twitter friends for a little Part bit of the verified on twitter foot gang <laughs> american foot gang so we're over here calling it soccer and uh i believe his uh his wife was in the u.s selection pool for the women's national team so part of he's married to royalty yeah, pretty much so. and he's actually going out to commentate on the world cup in france uh the women's world cup yeah he's doing fox fox sports in the u.s yeah. is the uh rights holder to the women's world cup which obviously in north america both the u.s and canada are really strong at women's football a lot better than they are at men so mm. we're, yeah we're not quite as good over here we're, we're getting better though we're, we've got a good chance at the women's yeah world the cup, so. uh germany england sweden there's a, a ton of great yeah. france of course uh, the host a ton of people have really great women's sides i know steve's gonna be watching it he was saying and, and i'll just bring that round to what we originally talked about Aaron will be chatting in the second half of this podcast. Unfortunately, we did have a first half with Aaron, which got corrupted. And the audio quality is, a, is, is not amazing as a result, but it's still really worth a listen and is very interesting. But what actually happened, which I was slightly aware of, which might be partly why we haven't got the podcast uh, until now, there's some big news on the FIFA scene. We've had a Pitch Notes article, which is about gameplay. And this is actually really quite unprecedented, isn't it, Luke? 
Yeah, I think not only in terms of just being sort of granular, talking about some of the specific issues that folks have been raising in the community, but also just sort of doing it at the point that they're doing. They've never talked about a future FIFA release. And you can tell by some of the language, both on social media and on the Pitch Notes article itself, that they're extremely careful. Not You don't see it called FIFA 20 anywhere. I think the title hasn't been formally announced. Mm. Uh, we all know it's coming because it's an annual released game. It's <laughs> EA's highest seller. I know people like to talk about, well, EA needs to hire more staff in this department or EA needs to spend more money on servers or whatever. Uh, I think the tricky part for them from a business uh, vantage is that FIFA really powers like the whole of EA, mm. uh, sometimes at our expense, unfortunately, um, that is both not only like a big, successful, broadly appealing game, but also, you know, one that makes revenue, which is can be a, a blessing and a curse. Yeah, so this, um, this didn't actually, so what you're kind of saying, I suppose, is this didn't actually reveal that FIFA 20 is happening and what is going to be in FIFA 20. Yeah, a lot of future but, title, yeah, future so release, language like that. Basically, but they're, they're giving it stuff, to us. That's, that's what they're saying. Yeah, they're giving it to us in late May. Uh, EA Play is is going to be two days a day in, I think, deep at this point, this time next week. There's going to be a lot of streams uh, next weekend, Saturday, uh, early North America time, probably early afternoon for Western Europe, and then yeah. probably evening for for Asian folks that listen to the pod. But, That's a good point. Actually, uh, I should just yeah, EA plays. Uh, EA plays earlier than ever before, and that might be a factor. But we've I don't remember, and you know I've worked now at Foothead for a little bit less than two years, uh, and this is I've been in the scene, kind of covering FIFA uh, and esports for SB Nation, my previous destination before that. Uh, so I've been like professionally involved with this scene for about three, three and a half years, and I've never seen info on the next title this early. So I think that's uh, not only is it a step in the right direction in terms of communications about future titles, but as we're going to talk about, it gets really into the nitty gritty of like what people are talking about and needs fixed, which I think anybody that plays the game regularly knows that there's a, a good laundry list of things that we want, not only polished, but just wholesale improved, uh, but also just kind of some of the things that, you know, they have in mind and what they're, they're trying. It's still, we're still <laughs> four months from the game's release. Least. So a lot can change from then to now, but I think uh, there's certainly a lot of reason for optimism in terms of uh, some of the stuff that we want to see fixed in the next in FIFA 20, uh, based on what was released today. Yeah, exactly. And leading on from that, we had talked about maybe even reading through the notes, but I think that would take a bit too long. People should go and read this. You can find it if you just search FIFA pitch notes. It'll come up. And actually, on if you go to Foothead, I'm sure you'd have put it up as an article, right? So people can check it out there as well. But it starts as you'd expect hey fifa fans which uh, is probably you if you're listening and then it goes on into basically saying that this particular pitch note is going to be about gameplay updates specifically and one of the things that i suppose they point out straight away is that they're talking about a lot of different changes here so it's not just one specific thing they're working on one specific area it's all gameplay but it comes from big and i mean there are various different things big and small it's not just uh, one issue or a number of issues which are affecting a certain part of the game you've got sort of big ticket things like goalkeeper movement and timed finishing and that along with ai defending is probably the thing that we want to talk about first time shooting we'd actually mentioned recently in a podcast with andy about how there was a possibility of rather than removing time finishing maybe toning it down and it looks like that's what they've done right i think in terms of reception to the pitch notes so far it's been overwhelmingly positive, which you don't really see from the fuck community, FIFA community as a whole very often. But the two um, kind of biggest trigger points, if there is anything that I think still is giving people reason for doubt or reason for healthy skepticism, has been that 
Uh, EA confirms that time finishing and goalkeeper movement are coming back. I don't think that's really shocking to anybody that follows FIFA for that matter. Very rarely have they introduced a new feature and then immediately taken out some things like certain kinds of dribbling or certain kinds of uh, changes that they've introduced over the years have been in the game for been in like one or two titles and then kind of phased out or adapted. I think that this is going to be a situation where we see uh, these tweaked. Um, I know Corey has mentioned on social to the dislike of, of some folks that are just really, really reactionarily opposed to these things that they have been heavily, heavily tuned, um, which I think, honestly, you know, I wasn't at any of these uh, feedback sessions that they had with professional players, but they mentioned that they've had some of those. Um, I think I heard through the grapevine, one of them was at one of the tournaments in Manchester, England. They let a lot of these guys see kind of the early builds of of FIFA 20. Um, The kind of general consensus is that these features themselves aren't the problem so much as one, how they were rolled out, and two, um, kind of their over-effectiveness. Like, you don't want... um, you don't want to get in a situation where it's it's a 1v1 and the goalie has just a far better, or goalkeeper has a far more likely chance, especially through something that's not particularly skillful. Mm. Um, if it is kind of a game of chess and some back and forth is involved, uh, I think that's more realistic. I think actually statistically in those 1v1 situations, the keeper is more successful in real life than you'd imagined. In a video game, we probably expect the offensive player to have the edge. And I think some of the tuning will culminate in that um, based on what they described with the changes to the right stick movement. Then in terms of time finishing, uh, they very specifically, I think this is a welcome kind of level of, of clarity that we haven't seen in any of these sort of articles before. Uh, they talk about the green time window being changed from two to four frames mm. to two frames, not just for long shots, short shots, but for all shots. So getting a timed shot is going to be harder. At the same time, I think that they want to make sure that if you don't use time finishing or you just do a normal shot, that those those are just wildly inaccurate in FIFA 19. And I think we're all keeping our fingers crossed that time shot accuracy and untimed shot accuracy alike is, is more reasonable. It was really, really easy at the beginning of FIFA 19 after the patches that were community-driven kind of in the uh, after the first third, kind of towards the first half of the game's life cycle, mm. it was just too hard. So hopefully this can lead to kind of a happy medium. Um, so, you know, if you're only listening to this far into the podcast, please keep listening because we're going to talk a lot more about what else is in there. And you can hear the stuff uh, that Aaron and Steve can weigh in on sort of some of the content out there uh, of late as well. But I think one thing you need to keep in mind is that uh, time finishing and goalkeeper movement are going to be back, um, but they're going to be a lot different. So I would say put down the pitchfork. It's totally fine to have doubt or think that, oh, you know, it's going to be one-to-one the same. I don't think it'll be the same. Um, and I think that, again, it's it's not really the mechanic, rather, but it's kind of the way that it has impacted the meta mm. and how it's impacted, especially at the high levels, you know, competitive or even foot champions. If they're tuned to a degree that they can be an edge but not be unfair and they can also uh, not... I think push things in a way that we're just dealing with a game that isn't fun to watch or play, then I think that there's nothing inherently wrong with them existing. It's just all about their implementation. Mm, And one of the things is 180 degree shots, they've called them. So when people were taking timed shots and they were terrible angles, but they'd still go in, which was a continued issue, right, across this year. And players with really high shooting, their ability to kind of shoot from angles almost standing still as well, um, with power um, was really frustrating. So they, what they've done is they're just making those less powerful. So I guess keepers will have a better chance of saving those. The other thing is that I suppose overall, it then all these things really put the owners back on creating high quality chances. And I suppose that's a big positive. And they're also looking at volley crossing and shooting as well. Now we're talking about shooting. And obviously one of the big things was that El Tornado cross this year, um, the way that you know lobbed crosses almost were too effective 
And so what they're going to try and do is decrease the accuracy of a volleyed shot, um, which is great because honestly, it is amazing how many volleyed shots go in, right? I feel like if a player takes a volleyed shot, the chance of it going in are almost like 90%, which is weird because I thought they tried to patch that, no, earlier this year. Yeah, and I I think some of the some of the aspects that they're working on, they maybe took a step in the right direction, but just didn't sort of land the plane as mm-hmm. it were. So I think some of these will take those last couple steps. And I'm sure there's folks out there that are like, well, why aren't they just putting these in the FIFA 19? Well, I think the code bases are completely different. There's going to be changes from year to year, even if that there are aspects of the game that or you know tuning strategies, aspects, functionalities, features. It's not as simple as you can deploy it to FIFA 19 and it's just going to instantaneously work. There's so many variables and so many moving parts that it's just not as easy. So they have to dedicate all their times to testing, implementing, adding them to 19 and 20 alike. And if, if the bandwidth is what it is and they don't have the ability to do it for both, I think that explains it. And some of these features, like even if they seem easy, like it's not just going to be a slider. They don't just go in and find a variable that says <laughs> volley.shot equals 100 and change it to 95. Like it's it's a lot more complicated than that. We're talking about days and days and days of work. Uh, so if it's unreasonable for them to do it for both titles and there's not really any reason for for EA to not do these things, given how widely requested they are and asked for by the community. Uh, I think that for me personally, I'd rather see them just get it right for 20 mm-hmm. than uh, really waste any and time further. It, it certainly can yeah. be frustrating. I think you're wealth and you're right to not love the idea that, hey, they stopped you know giving us really meaningful gameplay patches back in like February or so. But it also isn't really a big departure from any Well, that's the big year. thing, like, right? I was looking at a lot of people on Twitter, even big, you know, very, very long time content creators saying on Twitter that, you know, this is frustrating because they're paying the money for the game and they're being left with a broken game. Well, this is one of the reasons why presumably they maybe didn't want to do something like this and they've not done it before because it really highlights the fact that there is work to be done on the game. A lot of these issues have been in the game for years. It's not just this year. The volleyed crossing thing, not so much, right? That's more of a a this year type of thing and the time finishing as well. But players not taking shots on on their weak foot and taking outside of the foot shots has been something that's been happening for a little while, I think, or has happened in past games. Passing is also something that I think last year was equally frustrating. Um, A lot of people look back at FIFA 17, I think, as being better, FIFA 16, but passing has been a problem for ages in terms of passing being too assisted and player switching is a problem pretty much since FIFA began, I think. So uh, all of these things, I think it's really positive that they're highlighting them. And I suppose one of the things that I'm slightly concerned about, which, I, you know, people will complain whatever happens is you can just see next year you know people complaining about these things and people coming back to this and screenshotting and saying oh look look at what they said they were going to do so i guess it's important to note that these are long-term issues which they're hoping they'll be able to fix for fifa 20 but they're also quite clearly but not making any promises in this that that will happen i guess yeah i think a couple of things to keep in mind is it's it's absolutely yeah there are going to be some i wouldn't hold them necessarily bugs but maybe like half-baked or maybe not implemented in the way we'd like aspects from year to year. Uh, there are things that that make it, even if the whole game isn't copied and pasted, I know a lot of people like to claim it is, uh, there are aspects of the game or there are certain things like the outside foot shooting not mm. working or passing not working the way that it should. Um, it sounds like that that's going to be addressed or that they're hoping to address it. I think that's it's good to keep healthy expectations, mm. right? I think if you expect every single thing in here to work perfectly to your wildest imaginations, you're going to be let down. But if you recognize that these are things that they have identified as issues whether that's going to come in a future patch in fifa 20 i mean god forbid any of these are like really red flags in fifa 21 if we're talking about this stuff next year um that's 
that's a big red mark on on the game and i think it's totally fine to be upset about that but i think for now just in terms of them talking about this stuff as a step in the right direction if the follow-through is there as well then i think we're going to be in a really good place for for fifa 20 based on what we've you know been told and what we can expect reasonably from that yeah yeah and and one of the things i mentioned before as being a key point in this pitch note is manual goalkeeper movement because it's a a complaint a lot of people have had especially pro players i see a lot less complaints from uh, i guess your your less hardcore player about this and i suppose you know it's not utilized so much at every level of the game interestingly i played someone really recently who was not particularly good he he was he was an opponent i could deal with fairly comfortably but he was outstanding at moving his keeper and it actually made it a really tight game it's really interesting because there is clearly skill involved. It's not something that requires no skill. So the idea proposed by a lot of people that they were going to remove it totally did feel a bit like they were kind of jumping to an easy solution to that aspect because goalkeepers, to me, feels a little strange if they're not really controlled by a player at all. There's just this AI player on your team literally doing everything pretty much of their own volition which doesn't seem quite right in a game where you know you're trying to increase skill gap and all that kind of stuff one of the things i've had the hardest times trying to understand in terms of the feedback from the pros which i totally get it if you think that it's too easy to do uh, i think especially early on we saw when every single pro game was seven six eight seven mm. nine eight and it was just all long timed first time finesses that's a problem uh, and i know certainly some of the early goalkeeper movements was a little op like it would bail players out when it just seemed like that they were fumbling for the right stick and they just happened to guess right or the combination of the ai moving the keeper and them hitting the button kind of to activate them resulted in quite kind of a unreasonable unrealistic save but i think you're right it is there clearly is some sort of skill to it and if it can become a true skill gap thing then i think it turns into a point where you have these pros that aren't good at it complaining because they don't want to get better at it or they don't want to get better working against it that's that's again to preface that's in a world where it's tuned properly it is a fair balanced mechanic uh in principle, it's there's nothing wrong with it to me, and I also I feel like since the patch, um, they've I think they've actually tuned goalkeeper movement twice now. Mm-hmm. I cover professional FIFA for Foothead. We haven't done as much this season as we did in previous years for a variety of reasons uh, that would make the podcast unreasonably long. So I won't weigh into that too much. But I, I am a fan personally, and then I certainly work on it professionally. I have seen the whole gamut. Even when goalkeeper movement was more OP, there were still times when guys would try to use it screw it up and it would cost them goals and i felt like i've seen that more in the the last couple of patches but i still don't really feel like i see it a ton mm-hmm. and certainly the pros would know it a lot better than i i would maybe there are some guys out there strictly making a living on goalkeeper movement that's not my outside observation uh, and also you know I'm, i play weekend league pretty regularly and i have not seen it as a problem firsthand uh, i think we've all had games where you're like that guy was completely bailed out with his tots allison that is should be fumbling balls and allowing goals left and right because he was really adept at goalkeeper movement mm. but like you said that's a skill to some degree uh it's just a matter of making sure that it's like a fair yeah one. and i think so, a lot of the criticism uh, was that it looked somewhat strange right so if they can yeah almost like the spider movement i think was really unreasonable and unrealistic and you would also see there were there were early on when it was more op i would say it was still probably a minority of the pros Mm. but i remember seeing in some of the tournaments earlier and uh some of the early majors in fifa 19 guys that could like almost bring the goalkeeper out and do goalkeeper movement concurrently and it was just like every single keeper was suddenly like manuel Mm. Neuer or something yeah i know what you mean uh so 
that I guess is not good and not reasonable or realistic. So it, yeah, I, I, I know that it's just going to be a stumbling block for a lot of folks. I think be open-minded that, again, I think it's the implementation, not the mechanics themselves that are the issue for mm. me. I, I do feel like that they're much, for me right now, like just as a gold one caliber player, uh, give or take a level, right? Um, I don't find it either time finishing or goalkeeper movement just like egregious they don't offend me to the degree that i think that the game is ruined if they're in there if Mm. they're done right or if they continue to be tuned i i don't mind i i like the idea that you shouldn't have to use them to be good at the game but at the same time if it is truly a fair skill gap uh aspect like it's good to have functionalities and you think about some other esports there's been i think kind of tools in the past where you know some mechanics are hated or really just sort of scorn or just sort of the ban of the community at first and then they become kind of essential to the game if if these turn into net positives then i think we could be talking about them a whole lot differently next year it's certainly a big if though so we'll have to see like how mm. how the changes are implemented because that's going to really make or break those if 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 it's the same as this year then dump them absolutely mm. but if it's just the same as it's been the second half and i mean again i mentioned this earlier finishing in general has to be better mm. period like it needs to be rewarding to get good offensive chances and it just isn't a lot yeah, right totally now. so um i think that could have a big impact on how we perceive uh, time finishing as mm. well and let's move on to some of the other things that are in this set piece positioning this says players have come forward pointing out that many times a shorter defender would be marking a taller attacker or that a dangerous attacker is not present in the box by players they mean uh, me quite a lot um, quite a few times um, <laughs> because this is something that I have always been frustrated about for a number of years about the way that FIFA's set piece positioning works for some reason you'll have like Mertens marking Ibrahimovic and you, there's just nothing you can do and it's extremely frustrating so what they're saying is they're going to try and improve the intelligence in these situations make it more realistic and hopefully that works I wonder whether there might be some way of doing it manually like you rank your players I think that's too dramatic of a sea change to expect in this game. If all they do is put in an algorithm that puts your tallest players on the line, I'm going to be happy. Because I, I think we've all been there. And I, I gave EA this feedback to their faces in February when I was talking to them about something unrelated. I was like, hey, if I have you know on my short list of top five things that are really pain points for me, uh, you know, besides the obvious stuff that you hear on the community, a set piece positioning was a huge, huge pain point because, you know, what good does it do when you have like Messi or Insigne like trying to defend uh, the near or far post uh, when those tactics are being leveraged on on set pieces? Yeah, that's pretty true. And the other thing that we haven't mentioned is chain skill moves. Yeah, this is an interesting one. In our pre-podcast planning, you as someone that does skills heavily, me as someone that just you know, La Croqueta, like we yeah, all do I've, I've played there. FIFA in the US, so um, I know that nobody really does skills in the US compared to the EU. It's not as... It, I did mention to you, though, I've played some guys and I'm not... I, I live in Central Texas, like South US, so I get matched a lot with folks oh, from okay, Mexico, yeah, yeah. which... Uh, I don't know if it's like a cultural, stylistic thing or what, but I do run mm-hmm. into some skillers. Uh, I mentioned to you that in terms of chain skill moved, it's not so much the like effectiveness that bugs me. It's just like I've had, I, I think we've all had these matches, even folks in Europe and Asia where the, the person is just doing skills from one end of the pitch to the other and it's not actually giving them any advantage mm. and it doesn't really culminate in them getting goals necessarily winning. It's just frustrating. If, if they're addressing that, great. I think you mentioned that you were as someone that skills, you were a little concerned about Well, this. I mean, it's, it's interesting because you look at the, uh, La Croqueta and people chaining that and really getting an advantage by doing that which just seems really unrealistic nobody does that you see uh, also the Elastico being used by Tex and, and it's not exactly hard to do Andy's done it so it really can't be that hard right but 
you know what I mean? It's it's it is those skills which are especially frustrating when chained together to play against because the way the ball moves is extremely predictable for the attacking player, and so they can really well predict where they're going to end up, and I think that's a huge advantage. Whereas when you're dribbling, you can't necessarily do that, and I think that is one of the reasons why you have such an advantage in doing skills or chaining skills, and it's used competitively. I think for that reason, but. My problem is, is a lot of the culture around FIFA and a lot of the uh, big names who are kind of moving on now, like Kazooie and, and Herpseth, who obviously worked for EA for a while and have been on the podcast, uh, actually, they're a huge part of what made FIFA fun and, and their videos were amazing and the skill combinations that they were able to perform really got me into foot, to be honest, and, and got me interested in the game. I mean, it'd be sad if that was the end of those skill runs and those compilations and and uh, that kind of sense of fun. You know, there's no FIFA Street anymore. So people like that have got to, have got to be able to have um, a bit of fun and, and put skill moves together and things like that. Yeah, unless unless we get some kind of future mode or DLC or even a title release, who knows what the future holds. I agree with you. I think that we need, we need a sweet spot yeah. where it's not unfair. And like just the whole notion, unless you're watching some like, skillers youtube mixtape you're not going to see some dude do like 20 million lockcore cutouts in a row mm -hmm. right uh if if the idea is like hey you do four or five of these in a row they start to lose efficacy that's fine we still want to be able to see these beautiful text goals though as you also mentioned as we were kind of getting ready for the show uh Tex would be an incredible player without any skills at mm -hmm. all. Like, if you had, like, the no skills weekend league challenge, like, do you want to bet that he can win 30 games? Absolutely. Mm, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. figuring out a way that we nerf the, like, cheap flick up. <laughs> I told you this, actually, uh, as I was making my way through the, the Thorgan Hazard objective, this past Bundesliga weekly objectives, uh, I won my sixth match on a you know that you rb or r1 you call the player up <laughs> pass do a flick up and cross i won on one of those goals and like the 90th plus seven like <laughs> pure fergie time my opponent had to have been losing his absolute mind but it saved me you know probably 40 minutes of time having to replay the game if not replay multiple times if i lost because mm. i already had a goal with a with the with a belgian assist yeah so. luke, luke dropped me a message like you just saved me 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I learned that on the pod and am not ashamed to use it here and there. Uh, I don't use it every single time, certainly. Yeah, yeah. And you know, people can defend them to a degree. Yeah, for sure. Like you, you send a guy up to mark them and you kind of get positioned right. It's it's not, mm. it, it can force, you can force changes of possession. It's not too terribly difficultly. Mm. But I think uh, we just, that shouldn't like, you shouldn't be getting a... And I think the guy that did it was Marcelo, mm. which, I mean, at least he's a five-star skiller, right? But you, so, you really don't need a five-star uh, skiller, do you say? No, I know, sorry, I know. Sorry, but sorry, yeah. maybe we mm. reduce, like, the effectiveness to those guys or something yeah, like yeah, that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you look at the list of five-star skillers in the game right now, it's it's not as extensive as it That's once was. Point, yeah, yeah. And so if we kind of limit some of these things to where, like, hey, you want to have 11 guys on the field, well, not 11, 10 guys on the field that can do this, that'd be really sick if there was a five-star skiller keeper, I think. <laughs> one but all right so if you want to have 10 guys on the field that can do this at any point in time you have to sacrifice other ratings because there's just not going to be enough yeah you know. it'd be cool as well if like a five-star skiller was never going to mess up 
chained two star skill moves you know i think there's an argument that yeah 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 i think nuance like that i don't it's easier it's easy for us to say because we don't know the mm. code complexity of introducing aspects like that but i think that'd be great also you know this is this goes back to the current ea database the reason that we have upgrades the way that we do which leads to some frustrations like flashback players having low stamina is it's almost like an algorithmic upgrade so it's like a formula determines kind of batch upgrades because otherwise every time they did a team of the week or a man of the match or a team of the tournament or a promotion there'd have to be a title release which is just untenable <laughs> with the, the first parties being sony and microsoft but if they re-architect the entire foot database i'd love to see special cards where a guy gets a one star weak foot increase tentatively or temporarily yeah, yeah, right? really um, and the same for skills so maybe like you have a guy that's a three star four star skiller but he scores a skill goal to win a big derby you give him five star skills mm. in team of the week or on a promo or something like that i think that would be amazing yeah so, definitely uh in those situations that would give more flexibility to allow for you know the chaining and things like that if that's even possible i still i agree with you i don't i don't want this to go too far i don't want it to be too invasive uh, i know you gave ea that feedback already we talked about before the show and i think that's great um and i think we need to we need to nerf the the cheap stuff but still yeah and i was saying like you know kind of even though there might game. be this um chaining nerf essentially if it's done in the right way it can make a skill move combo more satisfying right so you know it's a bit like when certain things are overpowered like volleys actually that's a good example when you volley a shot in this year it's just not as satisfying because it's not especially hard to do so if they're making something slightly harder but still possible and still effective when you do it right then actually it can make the experience more enjoyable so you can also you know think about it like that and actually i don't think we've got much more left here we've got player switching as well there's some information there that about that and I, I think one of the things that has been a frustration as i was saying since almost day one of fifa has been player switching and i think this kind of says we're trying our very hardest to make it better <laughs> i would say yeah, I think uh, we saw this year with them adding almost that Pez-like feature where you can see when the next defender you're switching to with the player switch button, who it's going to be. Mm. I'd love to see that on offense. Mm. I, I agree it needs to be better. And it sounds like that in terms of just player switching, especially on defense, they're addressing this, especially on things like air balls, loose balls, through balls defensively, which is great. But I'd love to see that stuff tuned up and, and kind of polished as well. Um, mm. For me, the combination of the right stick and the player switch button are mostly adequate as is, though we've all been there. I I don't know if it's an automated setting that I've just never changed to manual, but a lot of the times too, on like when my opponents do really aggressive through balls, I'll feel like I'll accidentally switch to a guy and stop their run, mm. and that drives me yeah, bonkers. Yeah. So if this if this speaks to that as well, I'm all for it. I think that's a that's a great a, a great tweak that I don't see how anyone can be opposed yeah, to any yeah. of that stuff. And then so. the other thing is um, passing, just in terms of. 180 degree passes what people like to call the 360 no scope which actually doesn't make any sense because 360 would be facing the same <laughs> way again which isn't what they're saying yeah 180 degree passing would be nerfed all that kind of stuff i mean actually in terms of passing we often see this stuff being mentioned you know before a game that passing is tuned in some way or all these kind of things but actually if you look at the detail of this talking about this new mechanic called driven pass and go which we're not quite sure what it is i don't think you haven't had a chance to try it have you so we're not quite sure what that is but it looks quite interesting yeah i'm hoping we see some of this stuff shown firsthand yeah, if they're EA able play, yeah. i mean maybe the the powers that be won't let them at ea play next weekend but it'd be great if uh, i'll be there in person i know a lot of you yeah, guys will yeah. be watching the streams um so i'm hoping that i either get some hands-on time or even better that they get to show it to all of us even if it's just like a trailer or something like that mm. like 
I want to know what this stuff looks like in action before I am. I'm, I'm, I feel very positive about the article as a whole in terms of my reaction. I think that I have some trepidations like all of you guys. I, I'm maybe not as angry about some of the pain points as some other folks, but I think I need to still need to see some of the like specifics before I say that this is a win yeah. as a and, whole. And, um, I and I think mentioned one of the things actually the user controlled dink passes is actually quite a good one. I, I don't know whether you found this, but it's really frustrating when the ball pops over a player's leg and ends up in the path of an attacker when you didn't your, your opponent didn't really do anything skilled to actually achieve that I, i'd love to see you know we the, we haven't really even talked too much about manually defending manual defending ai mm. defending nerfing that i think is is also really really exciting what i can't remember what, if it was 16 or 17 i feel like we've had a next gen fifa that was more catered to manual defending mm. and that we've gotten away from that to kind of reward the more casual player i'd almost like to see well, you, the the situation that you just described, if there was a ability to like stick a foot out at just the right angle or like time it or something like that, please don't introduce time tackling. Yeah, this is not a plea for that, mm. but some sort of like skill to deflect that stuff, I would have less of a problem with it. But I agree with you right now, where it's just like I feel like I've done everything in my power, especially with high passing, you know, tots, icons, whatever players I'm using at this point in the game that they should get the ball to where it's supposed to go when it doesn't. It's just maddening. Yeah. So if there is some sort of like new manual pass mechanic or like kind of a stronger give and go, there needs to be some ability to reward players with offensive ability to, you know, get the goals that they they merit. And just, I'm not really trying to watch a defensive tug of war um, on FIFA personally. So. Ah. <laughs> that is steve uh for, for listeners uh, is it coming back well, i thought I'd, I'd at least turn up and yeah, exactly. you know I've, I've made the effort i suspect that you're a couple pints ahead of me so i've i've i've, I've had a couple of pints mate i'm not gonna lie to you i drank yeah. one i drank one beer just to kind of clear the cleanse the palate i guess during the mm. the course of the show but I don't want to have too many beers before going for about a 45-minute walk in that, or I will die. So The worst thing that can happen to you, Luke, is you go for a walk and you find a pub that's got a meatloaf trip. <laughs> Trust me. Well, here Trust in America, me, everything is so sprawly. Uh, if I go for a walk, um, I'm just going to wind up getting run over by a car before I get to a bar. Yeah. But I've got a code of conduct breach on the PlayStation. Christ. <laughs> oh, God. What have you done? Oh, man. This guy was... He was a horrible guy to play against. He was abusing everything. He had a 3-0 lead, <laughs> and I pulled it back to beat him 4-3. And just sent him a... It's my fault. I sent him a salty message saying 3-0, and you fucked <laughs> it up. And <laughs> <laughs> So Steve has sort of appeared. We're going to sort of pretend he's not here, but he might chime in. He's had quite a few beers, so we're not expecting... Um, well, we're just going to expect the normal levels of insightfulness that we get on any podcast. Well. This is what we call in the industry of value. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we were coming around to AI defending. And I think what the key things here are, they're trying to make it more manual. They're trying to make people rewarded for doing the footballing thing, which is actually probably overall what people always want out of uh, any gameplay changes. Yeah, I think our guy MS Dasari is going to be lip- licking his lips and kind of doing the Birdman hand up, <laughs> reading about all the the implementations of of defending. Because I think we're going to see guys like him who are outstanding defenders uh, in the current you know kind of assisted world um, really take that to the next level. When you know they may go down a notch as they kind of struggle to adapt in the early portions of twenty, uh, but guys who are just contained junkies like myself unfortunately mm. are going to be conceding four or five goals a game so i'm going to have to snipe a good keeper or something early on or it's going to be pain mm. with things like plan tackling the idea that 
you know, when you make a tackle with a defender and you actually do it manually, the ball's going to, well, the player's going to try and direct the ball towards one of your teammates or um, do something that will help you regain possession, which is really good. Um, contain and secondary contain are going to be nerfed. Um, we're going to see what they're calling a kind of renewed defending system, which they've put in terms which are somewhat loose, which is obvious at this stage. They're not going to be that specific. And also the jockeying system being changed as well. So it's all positive stuff. And, and what I wanted to just wrap up with saying is uh, Steve's here so we can kind of signpost it. And I'm sure Luke will join us as well. Is Over the next couple of weeks, why don't we take a bit of each podcast each week you send in your thoughts listeners and we'll chat about the different aspects of this pitch note because this is what is very much going to feed into next year if you've got any key feedback obviously we're able to pass it on to ea as well so just send in what your thoughts are i think the first one we'll do is it's the first one on the list is ai defending so we'll do that next week in the patreon podcast and you'll be able to hear what um our thoughts are and what we'll and we'll put across what your thoughts are as well. I'm wondering if it all sounds too good to be true. This is stuff that we've... I mean, at the end of the day, EA are trying to encourage us to buy the game again next year, and it, it this may all pan out to be maybe they have listened to us, maybe they have taken it all on board, but I don't know. Let, let's see if the proof is in the pudding. Most of the audience of this that are going to take the effort to find and debate and analyze this post are... are in no matter what right mm. like even if it's somehow for Literally. me like fifa 18 is maybe the worst fifa personally in terms of gameplay and just enjoyment mm. level 19 is still not great but is slightly better i'm hoping for more of like a return to form to when i really liked mm. playing fifa and it didn't feel as much like an obligation and if these you know if they hit the mark on half or more of these like maybe that's all it's going to take but yeah, it's interesting because we just haven't seen this level of, of communication and acknowledgement before. But like we also, Ben and I addressed a little bit earlier in the show, it uh, it may well be kind of a work in progress where we get these things kind of in a, kind of a rotation over time as opposed to like all at once. But hey, if, sure. they, if they back, if they talk the talk uh, or if they walk the walk to talk the talk, then I certainly And uh, steps in the right direction. Absolutely. And if you have any particular ideas for how EA should walk and talk, then send them in for next week's podcast and uh, we'll see you then. And also, obviously it should say, uh, we're going to be talking to Aaron, Steve and I in the past in just a second. So you'll hear that. Um, it's an interesting chat, isn't it, Steve, that they're going to hear? Aaron, Aaron knows his stuff. Yeah, stay tuned. Aaron, good guy, loves his FIFA, knows what he's talking about with his football. Somebody that I he wasn't really on my map when when we started, when we first did the podcast. But yeah, interesting guy. Good, good to catch up. That's what up I'm all about, you know, finding these... Uh, people in the corners of the FIFA community <laughs> so um, a big thanks to Luke for coming along thanks to your expertise as always always a pleasure guys we'll have you back very soon and uh, Steve I'll, I'll see you in just a second on the other side yep sorry for dropping in and interrupting everything at Lowe's we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time that's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Hey guys, it's Chewboy, and you're listening to the FUT Weekly Podcast.
Nearly 100 patrons are a huge part of keeping the podcast going and the support so far has been incredible. It'd be great to have you in the patron community too. There are loads of fantastic perks in return, including bonus podcasts which fill in the gaps between the regular pod. Last week we had Foot Economist and original co-host Horace talking weekend league, team of the season reviews and why SBCs seem overpriced. You can get that perk and so many more for about the same price as buying me a pint. I've had to mess drink. To get involved, just search Foot Weekly Patron. Aaron, how did you enjoy your first Foot Weekly break? Honestly, not what I expected, but mm. uh, very pleasantly surprised. Well, I mean, that could probably be the strap line of the podcast. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, actually, let's start off with an Abamyang review from you, Aaron. How have you found him? I know you're an Arsenal fan, so you might be a little bit biased, but uh, he does look a, a pretty incredible guard. Yeah, I am. So, obviously, I am an Arsenal fan, so I am wildly biased, but I was very very lucky to get him in my player pick slotted him right in i use him as a left cam actually i have him on basic cam because his face stats are so absurd using basic kind of boosts everything up to to 99 so i start him off at left cam where he's fantastic uh combination play getting him behind back post crosses finishing everything is brilliant and then depending on what i need later in the game i'll either switch him into the center forward role or kind of leave him out on the wing. And either way, like he, he averages almost probably a goal a game, even from left cam or at striker. Uh, his 93 stamina means I never have to worry about taking him off. Uh, his jumping means he's good on obvious offensively and defensively, winning corners late in the game when people just spam them, uh, when they're spamming crosses, things like that. Um, mm. He's just, uh, his balance, his agility, his passing, every, he's, I'm a, I would say he's the perfect striker. Uh, the only thing is if 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 he was maybe like a bit bulkier because of that the like the bigger body type he can get pushed around a little bit sometimes by like the mm. Virgil Van Dykes of the world. But other than that I have absolutely no complaints. I still can't believe I packed him. Yeah, he's a he's a horrible player to play against. I came up against him a few times in the weekend league. Him and Aguero both were were massive pains and I think quite a few people seem to have got them um red. In, in their rewards and uh, I think it was one of those things you know people are complaining I think it's something probably want to discuss now do you feel that this year's team of the season and uh, you've had experience of other team of the season um, promotions feels less accessible than previous years prices do seem particularly high SBC prices actually that Goretzka that we just had recently isn't too bad but have been possibly too prohibitive for people wanting to complete them do you feel like is there is there some negativity for you around that? Well, yeah. Look, I I do understand people's frustrations around it. The the cards are expensive. There have been some SBCs that are overpriced. I think um, going back to looking at the perhaps slightly inflated price of the Bundesliga squad, I think we've got to bear in mind that Bundesliga cards have been a bit more expensive on the whole this year because it's the first year where we've had Player of the Month from the Bundesliga. So more people are using Bundesliga squads. I think it's very early days in the promotion at this point, and I think that people need to practice a little bit of patience before they start throwing their their toys out of the pram, which I'm seeing quite a lot. We don't know what they've got up their sleeves. We we don't know what SBCs are going to drop. We don't know if there's going to be any kind of novelty SBCs that are going to drop. There's going to be a best-of team of the season at the end. And... The other thing in terms of content is that, I mean, you've probably gathered by now, I love the weekly objectives. I think there's some really good cards there that you can, that are usable, that are easily obtained. And 
I, I don't have a problem with it, really, to be quite honest with you. I think if you want to be a bit more imaginative than just building out a, a bog-standard EPL squad or a bog-standard Bundesliga squad, then you can, you know, players like I was talking about earlier, Rafa, I think you're looking at about six, 60,000 for him at the moment. If you use a bit of imagination with, with, with the squad building and you work in some of these less popular players, then you can still make a, a, a really, really good squad, even out of the cards that have dropped so far. And as I say, maybe people just need to be a bit more patient, I think. Yeah. Aaron, would you echo that or are you uh, feeling aggrieved? I think it's kind of 50-50. I think for players who were kind of a bit more behind, I think the frustration is that they are not able to immediately catch up to everyone who has had the God squads and will continue to have better squads with the rewards and with the coins that they have to continue to make their teams better. But again, like Steve said, these some of these weekly objectives, some of these SBCs, if you're willing to get creative, that's the that's the issue. It's if you're not willing to get creative, then you're going to be frustrated because if you just want a straight up Premier League squad or a straight Bundesliga squad with the big names that you know, you're going to be frustrated because everyone's buying them. They're super expensive. But if you do want to use the the uh tools at your disposal to use the in-game tactical switching to get creative to use the position changes then you can make a really really fun squad i've right now got a kind of hybrid liga nosh prem squad and i've my favorite thing about ultimate team is just to get creative with the players and with the position changes and with all the fun cars that they come out with during the game i use the foot birthday Virgil van Dyke because he's basically a team of the season level center back if you can fit him into your squad and use him in the right ways I he starts out in midfield but with the in-game switching he plays center back alongside Blanc and he's incredible for I bought him for I think 300,000 coins but he's yeah it's outstanding value yeah yeah the same almost literally almost the same level as the team of the, the season center back so if you can get creative, if you want to get creative, I like spend a lot of my time just because I find it fun looking at uh, different cards and finding how I can kind of slot them into my team and move things around. So I find it a lot of fun. I, I agree with Steve in that like you, if you put the time in or you just want to be creative, you can have a lot. You can, you can be super creative and have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Listeners will now know why I've got you on. It's a, a particular passion of mine is uh, creating squads and, and things like that. And I think there's a lot of flexibility that this team of the season allows in terms of different leagues, bringing in different players. I know it's not a full Liga Nosh squad, but we're going to see a lot of uh, off-league cards come out over the next few weeks. And there's going to be so many opportunities to bring in players for cheap and slot them in in ways that are more creative and save yourself coins and things like that. So, um, in fact, I'll, I'll send you the winner of last month's uh, squad of the month competition. Steve will remember this. It's a particularly impressive um, switch round of players, isn't it? I'm actually I'm going to try out Andre Almeida this week at, at center mid because I I got him in my guaranteed. Yeah, that's really So yeah. I'm gonna he's at right back and I've got him on full Kim with Bruno Fernandez, but I'm going to use him alongside Wijnaldum and as my defensive mid. Oh, I like that a lot because he's got a high defensive work rate medium. Yeah, second, right? he's, he, he's like six feet tall. He's four star, he six four star, feet, I believe. Man. Yeah, he's six mm. one, four star, or sorry, three star, three star. But I, that doesn't really bother me for like a straight yeah, up a CDM defensive mid. Matter, yeah, yeah. Uh, but with Shadow, show. he's got like ninety two pace, crazy physicals, really good defending. So I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see how he works in in uh, midfield. That's a really good shout, actually. It is, yeah. I think the squad building is actually a massively underrated aspect of the game. I think that. People focus, mm. obviously, on gameplay. They focus on trading. 
And I think that they completely overlook squad building a lot of the time, especially this year with the uh, the in-game tactics that, that Aaron was alluding to there, where you can get more mm. creative and play different players out of positions. If, if you play around with, with different starting shapes, you can, you can create really good teams um, using players that you wouldn't ordinarily think of. You know, the, the, I have a few sort of go-to formations, I'm sure we all do, where I find it easy to, to fit off-chem players in, so to speak. Things like the 4-5-1 or the 4-3-3-2 I find quite effective. So yeah. definitely mm. urge people to, to have a look at all the different formations that are out there. See if you can squeeze some of these players in. And, you know, as Aaron's saying, you can you can build some really good squads and it's fun. You know, use your imagination and uh, stop complaining. <laughs> yeah, Steve, Steve complaining about people complaining has become the uh, footballly pod meta. That, that's my thing for this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you both, and I think um, I can see the frustration. And I think Aaron, you were you were making a point. If if you're looking at the big boys um, in the big leagues and you're looking at the top players, those players are going to be prohibitively expensive for the majority of players and I think unfortunately that's been the case for a long time you have to get that bit of luck you have to get them as a red pick which of course hasn't existed for many years and certainly it's never been as good as it has been this year to to get those players in and that's often been the case and as you say we've still got quite a few months to go over the game there's plenty of opportunities Um, there'll probably be some kind of guaranteed team of the season pack just of any team of the season or maybe rating restricted things there'll be probably ways that the the prices drop and not to mention the fact that we have only had two team of seasons so if we're looking um, along the line at a number of other team of seasons the amount of cards on the market that are top tier is only going to increase and the demand is going to spread between those cards and and the prices should come down but actually one of the things i wanted to close on uh nepenthes has come out with this theory a lot of people got in touch old man fifa cw um, 4883 both uh, asked about this as well um Basically, the idea that there's an algorithm which drops the card weight, the rarer a card becomes, makes it more and more rare, and and so certain players become um, extremely expensive. And there's a lot of theorizing that card weight is in some way dynamic or fluctuates, and uh, maybe even between individuals. Now, uh, Aaron, you'll know from maybe... I don't, actually, how do you know him? I don't know. Maybe just come in contact with Luke Zimmerman of Foothead through other stuff. But he likes to say that the simplest form of explanation for things that happen around FIFA is normally the best one uh, and Steve I think you said that there's some clever theory that exists yeah it's um, Occam's razor it's a principle from philosophy if there, if there are two explanations for something normally the uh, all things being equal the simplest one is correct Aaron do you think otherwise about this or do you have any other views on it I do love a good conspiracy theory but this yeah. one I don't believe (laughs) i think it would just take too much effort with everything else that they've got going on to dynamically update pack weights based on demand i think it's just too much i i don't see them doing that i don't really see i could see it it might benefit them in the fact that people would buy more packs but i i honestly don't think that's the case I really don't. <laughs> I I could see. I mean, I, I I believe probably when when a player is created, they probably set the pack weight then. But it's I don't think it is dynamically changing as as the prices fluctuate. I think that is mm. just too complicated. And again, Occam's razor, the simplest exp- explanation is just the probably the the actual one. I I think it just they're probably pack weight is set relatively low from the start, and then yeah yeah yeah. I, I don't think I believe that one. <laughs> and I actually contacted 
um, for Economist, aka uh, Jamie, who regularly on the podcast and uh, heading to EA shortly. Obviously, has no inside info, but he was saying that people really underrate the demand on specific players. Someone like Havertz, who's two million coins, or Son, who's a couple of million. First of all, this year, we've had more coins come into the game than ever before. Weekend League was reduced, but the rewards weren't nerfed. Um, so, you know, you only have to play 30 games. So that was always going to cause more coins this year, as well as rivals rewards and things like that. So the fact that, you know, there are more coins in the game and the fact that these cards like Kai Havertz are godly, they're godly in any FIFA, probably even going forward, they're going to be some of the better cards we've seen. And so the idea that, you know, that maybe it's a, a sort of deliberate manipulation rather than actually the fact that people really want to get their hands on these cards <laughs> and have yeah. a lot of a lot of coins to do that yeah. um, and more so than previous years. I think I can certainly see why a lot of people are, are kind of confused by the pricing, um, but I think that that will probably change over time is my view. And, and you know, I could be wrong um, and I'll happily hold my hands up and, and we'll come back to this probably over the course of the team of the season, but I think they will drop. And uh, I'm not saying it'll be massive or anything because the, the as I said, the number of coins in the game um, the amount of uh, buying power, uh, I think, is is really is really big. So we'll, we'll have to see um, how things pan out um, going forward. Steve, you got any final comments on that? Who knows? I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. I, there are other things mm. to focus on, I think. One of the things that I wanted to finally move on to, and I know Aaron has to go, so we'll get into this and, and finish it off quickly. Nick Gary asks, are there any SBC cards or player items, untradeables that you've submitted into an SBC and really regretted it. One is flashbacks, Latan, who, especially when you look at the price of that team of the season card, um, the idea that you would have submitted that 92 was uh, would be pretty pretty tough to How could to you take do it now? Nick, what were you thinking, man? <laughs> yeah, that that's actually crazy to me. I'm not, I, that's, a, that's wild. I have, I have never actually regretted any uh, SBC that I've, any player that I've submitted for an SBC. The highest one I've submitted was uh icon nesta and that was after he had sat in my team probably for a um, few weeks and i really really wanted the roberto firmino and didn't have the coins uh to buy more players for the sbc so i had a bunch of players in my my club and was trying to figure out a bunch of combinations i ended up using nesta willian and hulk actually for across that sbc and there were three players that I hadn't used in like a month or so. Thought about it a lot. Was like, will I regret this? Will I regret this? And absolutely have not looked back. But submitting Zlatan, flashback Zlatan, that's just, that's crazy talk. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> that's got to hurt. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I know what you mean. I, I'm pretty conservative, I guess would be the word, in terms of submitting players into SBCs. Uh, it worked out very well for me. But even the Reds, like the, the champs Reds, I tend to not submit into SBCs because I feel like they're going to have a use at some point and obviously that worked out really well because they did get use and you could do the 86 plus repeatable SBCs about a couple of months ago they came out so uh, that was a, a big win although not that I've actually got anything good out of those but it, it's one of those things you know I think you tend to be able to use these cards in situations where they are more relevant and so I suppose I tend to avoid submitting players and someone like Zathan who is a god tier, very unique card. Who, despite having awkward chem links with icons, is, is not too hard to get in. I, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, I know, Steve, you've had uh, your regrets in terms of completing SBCs, but what, what about submitting SBCs? Yeah, definitely. Quite recently, actually, um, I did the Adrian Rabio SBC, the flashback Adrian Rabio, and I submitted. I can't remember if it was twenty-two or thirty-three cards into that, and I regret every <laughs> single one. <laughs> 
that card is it is um, some people like it let, let's be fair um i just i find that he's sort of caught between two stools he's neither the sort of midfield oh, yeah. destroyer that i like or the, the agile nippy playmaker and uh i just i wish i hadn't done him but i, I to answer the the question more directly i can't think of any off the top of my head i mean regular listeners will know that i'm, I'm very careful and cautious when it comes to uh, to doing SBCs. <laughs> um kappa as i believe they say um but no I, I can't think of anything off the off the top of my head no not really well um i'm sorry nick but hopefully some people will i don't know tweet in and, and tell us some sbc submissions they regret so that nick can uh feel somewhat um, better about something Zlatan um, if it's any consolation he's likely to come back as a, an SBC later in the year I'd say <laughs> so uh, you've, you've got something to hold on to Aaron um, we're probably ready to finish off it's been fantastic to have you good luck presenting the Women's World Cup soon and where can people follow you if they want to keep up with what you're doing thank you guys so much for having me man you can find me on Twitter Instagram basically anything social media related at A-Y-Y-Y underscore West A-E West Huge thanks for coming on. Hopefully you'll join us again soon. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Fantastic. And of course, finally, Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Where can people find you and get some of that um, quality coaching action? People can find me at The Foot Coach. My pinned tweet is is a link to my website where you can book a coaching session. And yeah, it's it's probably also worth mentioning that I I tweeted out recently a set of game plans that I've been using, which has been incredibly popular. Got a lot of really good reaction, particularly a 4-3-3, which is commonly used amongst the pro community for closing out games in the sort of the last 15, 20 minutes. So if people uh, get onto the Twitter account at the Foot Coach, click on my profile page, have a look at the media on there, um, you should be able to find it quite easily. And with that, which we'll probably discuss actually in future weeks, having multiple game plans and different formations is super important and we'll probably touch on it again pretty soon. Um, but all that's left to say is a huge thanks to all our patrons for making this podcast possible and Foothead as well. It's been great to have you all and we'll see you again very soon. And a special thanks to all our Icon patrons. That's Dominic, Chris G, Mark A, Paul, Chris W, Rob P, Johan P, Martin M, Gabe N, Dan W, Matt L, Robert A, Alan M, Sam M, Savage P, Anthony R, Darren W, Matt H, Colm O, Roger D, Sila P, Stephen M, and Tyler M. Thank you very much, and until next week, enjoy Team of the Season, and goodbye. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Podcast Network.